I wanted to share that video with you tonight, not to promote the Lancaster Baptist Church, but to show you that one man sharing Christ and 10 others were saved. And you say, well, that does, it doesn't work that way anymore. Well, friends, that's not true. I've been studying the book of Haggai, and the Bible says this. Uh, the prophet was saying to the people, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. In those couple thousand years since they left Egypt, God had not changed. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he saved 3,000 on Pentecost, he can save them today. But we just have to be faithful in sowing the seed. And so tonight we will continue in our last night of our study for soul winning, lesson four. If you did not receive a handout and you would like one, please raise your hand quickly and we'll get that to you right away. If you already have that, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter four. Look at a couple verses. Some of this tonight is just practical stuff and others will use some scripture to help us. Colossians chapter four. Colossians chapter four. Being an effective witness. What can we do to be more effective in our witness? Colossians chapter 4. Look with me, if you will, in verse 5. The Bible says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful and grateful tonight that we are children of God because somebody came and shared with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, like Richard Marmel in the video, we pray, Lord, that we too would go out and tell others, tell a coworker, tell a friend, and that from that we would see it multiply like he did in three families come to know Jesus Christ. Father, help us just to be faithful. The thing that impressed upon my heart was he wasn't even from Lancaster Baptist Church. It wasn't about winning people to his church, it was about winning people to Christ. So Father, help us to be faithful in doing the same. Lord, during this lesson time tonight, we pray that you'd, your spirit would teach us, help us, fill me, I pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, soul winning is the work of the Holy Spirit. We just have to get that out on, right out in the open. Soul winning is the work of the Holy Spirit. But my Bible says I'm to be filled with the Spirit. That we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to be used of God. We are His hands and His feet, if you will, here on this earth. And God has chosen to employ the human agency, if you will, in this, this thing called soul winning into the spreading of the gospel. He gave us the command to go. To be effective as soul winners, we must be completely rely upon Him. Now having said that, there must be an effort made on the part of the soul winner. We must carefully hone our skills. We must be obedient and go. We must carefully and yet consistently pursue the lost. We must memorize scripture, at least references that will help us turn to them quickly and show somebody what the Bible says that we might be able to give a biblical presentation of the gospel. We just need to take the time to be good at what we do. Like everything else in our spiritual walk, we rely upon God, but we rely upon the methods found in God's word. And God has told us to go. I want you to notice some things tonight, and we'll give you some practical things. If you look at Roman numeral one in your notes with me tonight, first of all, here's just a practical thing. Using a prospect list. Using a prospect list. And our job is to just sow the seed. Now, some may trust Christ right away, but that is usually not the case. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so we see that sometimes there's the passing of time before somebody will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. You'll also notice the Bible says in John chapter 4 and verse 38, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you entered into their labors. In other words, somebody else already planted the seed. Somebody else has already watered and we just have the blessing of reaping the harvest. And so we we must uh, do something that will help us practically steward those people that we come in contact with. And so I would suggest that you use a prospect list. Now, we've included a sample in your lesson plan tonight. If you got one of those, you can pull it out and have a look at it. And what is a prospect list? What is a prospect list? Well, first of all, it is simply a method of stewarding prospects. It's just like anything else in our lives. If it's important enough, we'll keep track of it. If it's important enough, we'll keep track of it. Now, there are some things that are important to you, and you put them away in a safe place. Now, uh, how many of you know all of your grandchildren's birthdays? How many of you got them memorized? Everybody's got them, not everybody's got them memorized. Some have got their hands up, some don't. How many of you have got them written down, though? Right? They're important to you. In my office, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I, I wish I had taken better care, but I, I couldn't remember all of my children's birth weights, how big they were, how long they were, and how much they weighed. I suppose my wife's got that tucked away somewhere. But what I have in my office is my dad's Bible. And when I was thumbing through my dad's Bible in the front cover, he has the birth dates of all six of his grandchildren, how much they weighed, and uh, the time of their birth right down to the minute, 9.31 a.m. for Brendan, and how much he weighed and how long he was. And so that was all detailed. You see, what is important to us, we keep track of. I hope so. I hope you're not one of those people that every time you want to go on a trip, you have to go find your passport. I hope that you take care of the things that are important to you. Souls are the most important thing to God. And we are to be stewards of them. So use a list, use something uh, to steward your prospects. Number two, it allows you to be intentional and persistent in your efforts. It allows you to be intentional and persistent in your efforts. How many of you know the things that get done in your life are the things that you set out on purpose to do? If you ever use the phrase, I'll get around to it sometime, it never gets done. You just, we just put it off and we don't take care of it. It's not important to us. And so make sure that you write things down and are intentional and persistent in your effort. It is a simple list of contacts, addresses, information, and records of visits. So if you have that little sheet tonight, you can see on it. It's just simply name, phone number, address, email address. And then there's a little box down the bottom. It'll say maybe it'll say uh, phone call, text, visit, email. And you just put a little date beside each of them. I emailed them on February 3rd. I gave them a call on February 10th. And, and so keep track of those visits and make sure you're keeping up with it. These are just practical things. Now, I don't have a piece of paper. If you are a techie, on my phone, I have an app. And what I use is just simply it's a prayer app. I, I downloaded it and I checked it out to make sure it would be work for what I wanted to do. And so in my prayer app, Every single day it pops up, pray for Luke Schleifer, accepted Christ a couple weeks ago. And then in that app, I can put he got saved on July the 10th, 2016. I know it off by heart because I've seen it so many days in a row now. July 10th, 2016. And uh, from there, I can put a little mark there. Well, we followed up. We went to visit him on July the 11th. 
And then we, uh, Paul started discipling him on July the 14th and went back on July the 21st. And, and so we've been mar- I've been marking those things and every single day it comes up with a prayer list of all the people that are in there. And so you can use something like that. I'm just saying, use something that will help you to remember. Who do I include? Letter B, who do I include on the prospect list? First of all, anyone who shows interest. Anyone who shows interest. You don't know who might be saved. You understand? You don't know who might be saved. Uh, in pastoring the Faith Baptist Church in Hamilton, years ago we had a pastor that, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but just years ago he, he, he taught a salvation type message that was just, well, just pray this prayer and you go to heaven. Well, let me ask you this. Here's, here's how I can do a, a great invitation. How many here want to go to heaven when you die? We all do, don't we? Well, just bow your heads and pray this little prayer and you'll go to heaven. No faith, no repentance, no conversion of the heart, no understanding whatsoever. Just who wants to go to heaven? We, we sometimes see that with children's ministries especially. Who wants to go to heaven when you die? Well, then pray this little prayer and, and there was no salvation. In the 11 years, I was there for 16 years, but in the 11 years that I was a senior pastor, every single one of our Sunday school teachers walked the aisle and accepted Jesus Christ. Except for one who I don't believe at the end of her life was saved at all. Every single one walked the aisle and accepted Jesus Christ. I baptized every Sunday school teacher. I baptized my wife. And, and so uh, you don't know who's going to be saved. You don't know who's, who's still needing salvation and maybe because of pride or maybe because they had a false assurance or maybe because they thought, well, I, I go to church or my family's Christian, they think they're saved. And so anyone you think might be a prospect, if there's any hint whatsoever, put them down on your list and pray for them. And who knows what God will do when you begin to pray. I like what he said in the video of the one fella when he was talking to his friend that he'd already led to the Lord and said, I'm concerned about my dad. And he says, I can see how hard you're trying. Why don't we pray and let God do his work? So they prayed. Next thing you know, dad got saved. And so we need to understand that we need to put this list together in such a way that we are praying uh, specifically for people. Number two, those who I desire to build a relationship with. You understand that sometimes in order for people to trust Christ, they first have to trust you. Uh, That's just the day and age we live in. And and I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't do a work and penetrate the heart, but they're not going to listen to your message unless they first trust you. And so develop a relationship and be kind to them. Many take time to receive Christ. Number three, those who accept Christ, but they need assurance and discipleship. Listen, it is not a natural thing for people to go to church anymore. And so even though we might see somebody saved and, and to the point where we even believe they're genuinely saved, they've, they've made a change in their life and we see a difference and they have a hunger for spiritual things, it is not their habit to get up on Sunday mornings and go to church. And so we need to pray for them for their assurance and their discipleship, that they might be grounded in the word of truth and begin to grow. Number four, church grass, sorry, church guests, church guests. I'm, I'm trying to be careful. You may have noticed, I'm trying to be careful to use the word guests instead of visitors. It has a different connotation, doesn't it? It sounds different. Uh, a pastor that was here one day shared that with me. He says, don't call people visitors. Call them your guests. A guest is somebody that's welcome. A visitor is somebody that's just passing through, maybe unwantedly. And so uh, put down church guests. Why? For name recognition. 
Well, I've got to tell you, one of the things I struggle with is remembering a name. And so I try my best to remember names. And we need to get to know new people that come into the church and, and get to know their names so that they might be a prospect to be saved. But uh, years ago, a friend of mine and I went to a, a preacher's fellowship. And he hadn't been there. He'd been there about four years later. We went to Faithway. He hadn't been there in about four years. And he would go with me when he could, but he'd been working. And so finally we went back. And uh, we were in the hallway, and, and a pastor came down the hallway, and he shook my hand and said, hey, Brother Fury, good to see you. How you doing? And he turned to my friend Gary, and he says, it's Gary, isn't it? And he shook his hand. And Gary turned to me, and he said, I met him one time four years ago. He says, that, that's something that he would remember. My, that made an impact on him. You know, when a visitor comes to the door, and they come back three weeks, six weeks, ten weeks later, and you walk up and say, hey, how are you, and call them by name? Boy, that makes an impact. And so put them on your list. Pray for them like they need to be saved. And so who do I include? Almost anybody. How do I use it? Number one, pray daily. Pray daily for them. Again, let God do the work. Let God prepare the field. We are to sow the seed, we are to water, but God has to prepare that soil. Let him do his work. Number two, contact weekly. But I put a note there. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the person, too. Don't annoy them. If you sense that you're coming on too strong or you're calling them too often, then back off a little bit. Let them know, listen, I, I don't want to wear out my welcome, but I'm here if you need me. Send them a text. Send them an email. Just do something, but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in those cases. We don't want to wear out our welcome. And number three, make sure you update your list regularly. It's only as good as you keep it up to date. Go to the dollar store and get a little booklet. That's all you need. And just each page, write a name and put some requests down for that person. Pray for them faithfully and regularly. But make sure you update it regularly and keep it current. Uh, Roman numeral two, developing an everywhere mentality. Developing an everywhere mentality. Boy, this is important. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Now, let me ask you this. Is there any place in the world where it is not God's will to preach the word? You won't find one. Because God is not willing that any should perish. You say, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not talking about preaching in the sense of getting up before people and opening up the word of God and trying to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm talking about sharing your faith, proclaiming the gospel, telling others about Jesus. And listen, if Jesus is not willing that any should perish, then it, we know that it is God's will that we tell other people. He's not willing that we don't. And so he wants us to go and tell. So we need to have an everywhere mentality. How do we develop it? Letter A, see people as souls. See people as souls. You see, an organized soul winning program is a good thing, but sometimes it can become dangerous because we think, well, I go soul winning Tuesday nights. Friend, we ought to be soul winning all the time. We ought to be sensitive to their needs all the time. I remember going one time out to, to lunch with uh, Pastor Holman, Lynn Holman, and uh, we were in a Swiss chalet, and I, I think my wife was there, and his wife was there, and, and uh, the waitress was probably 19 or 20, but she looked like she was about 14. You remember that young girl? And she had braces on, so which made her even look younger. And boy, he picked on her. He just teased her the whole time. He said, those braces have made you mean. 
Because she'd snap right back. She got comfortable and started snapping back at him. But you know what happened after she brought the drinks over and, and she took our order and she started bringing the food orders? Well, the third or fourth time she'd interacted with us and he had teased her and he had picked on her. He, he was able to do this. He says, you know what? We're about to pray for the meal. Is there anything we could pray for you about? He got her comfortable with him to the point where he could have his testimony shared and talk to her about the Lord and just leave that thing. You see, sometimes we give a gospel tract and we do it to appease our conscience so we don't actually tell people about Jesus. But most of those gospel tracts just end up in the garbage. I think a gospel tract's a wonderful thing to leave with somebody after we've told them about Jesus. I think if somebody's not home, it's wonderful to leave them something, get something in their home. But don't use it as an excuse to fulfill the Great Commission. We need to tell others. The Bible says, go ye therefore teach all nations. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so don't use it as an excuse. They're wonderful tools, but they are only tools. And we need to see people as souls. In Matthew chapter 9, the Lord Jesus Christ is said about him this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You see, Jesus looked at people very differently. He looked at them as people that were scattered in need of a savior. And so we must look through the eyes of Christ and have compassion on people. Letter B, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. I gave some examples there. Offer to pray for your waitress when you ask the blessing. Give a track to the Checo girl at the grocery store. By the way, you, you probably see the same Checo girls almost every week. They'll get to know you. So leave them a track and let them know that you have a church. I, I was encouraged one day when, when we... Uh, we were having a Remembrance Day service here at the church, and um, it, was, it was the first time we had done anything like that, and we had uh, everything all set up, and we were supposed to have this special service, and we had talked about it a little bit beforehand in church, and a couple of our ladies in church were in home hardware, and they were at the checkout line, and they were saying, oh, I'm looking forward to the service at church this Sunday. And they were talking back and forth. We're having this Remembrance Day service, and they were talking about everything that was going on, and there was a, a young man in line behind them by the name of Aaron Gotro. Aaron Gotro is a radio broadcaster. You might hear him give the news on the local radio station if you listen to that rock station. I don't, but he's on there anyway. And uh, sometimes you have to turn it on to get the snow cancellations in the winter, and I hear Aaron give the news. And Aaron uh, had a brother that was killed in Afghanistan, one of the Canadian soldiers that were killed over there. And I didn't know that, but he overheard those ladies in home hardware. And on Sunday morning, he showed up in the service. And since then, I've talked to him at the, the Norfolk County Fair. I've seen him. I said, I go over here. And I said, I'm the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church. We, I remember you came to our remembrance service. And he says, you remember that? I said, yeah, sure. I remember you told me about your brother, how he died in Afghanistan. And boy, let me tell you, I, we haven't seen him in church, but every time we get a chance to talk to him, just reinforce something. And let them know that we're a church that cares for him and loves him and that we're here for him. So look for those opportunities. Leave a track with your tip. Listen, if you tip 25 cents, don't leave a track. At least don't have Bethel Baptist Church on it, please. Because my name's on that track and I don't put that there. All right? If you're, if you're going to be that cheap, come to me and I'll give you a $5 bill and you can put it with the track. All right? Actually, don't do that because you'll all come and keep the five. Well, what I'm saying is look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. I, I remember a preacher 
used to say, I'm on soul patrol. I'm on soul patrol. In other words, he was just looking for somebody to share the gospel with. And by the way, if you pray about it, the Lord always brings somebody across your path. And you might have 100 people come across your path in a day, and you don't have the opportunity to share with anyone. I'm not saying that we force the gospel down people's throats, but I'm saying that there are opportunities that arise, and we need to take advantage of them. So look for those opportunities. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. I think I left the N off the word men there, but if you uh, will jot that in there. We're, we're trying to please God with our soul winning efforts. And so look for opportunities because we've been put in trust with the gospel. Letter C, steward relationships. Steward relationships. God has placed people in your life for a purpose. God has placed people in your life for a purpose. Since I've been home, my children go crazy because every time we go in a store, I'll say, oh, I went to high school with that guy over there. And so now my daughter, Emily, she thinks she's real smart and she'll see a 90-year-old and she goes, Dad, did you go to school with that guy? No, thank you. One day we were in the President's Choice or the Superstore, whatever you call it, and I was in line and both my girls were there, Emily and Bethany, and they were starting to joke with me. And they said, Dad, did you go to school with anybody in here? And Becky Powell was right behind me in line. So I turned around. She used to be Becky Bridgewater. And I turned around and said, Becky, did we go to school with that guy over there? Isn't that Mike something? She goes, oh, yeah, that's Mike. So there was two right there. But after that happened several times, I began to think, did the Lord put all these people in my path so I'd have a second chance to tell them about Jesus? You know, I never thought, I never thought for a moment that the Lord would allow me to preach the funeral of one, of one of my best friends when I was a kid. Hadn't seen him in 25 years, but when we were kids, we were doing everything together. And yet, I got to preach the gospel to several people. As a matter of fact, one of the young men that was here, Steve Kasky, I text him about once a week still. Back and forth. How you doing, Steve? Praying for you. He's working out on the long ships. And he writes back, hi, pastor. And I said, no, my name's Al. You know, we, we grew up together. We're kids. And uh, I said, listen, I said, just whenever you're in town, I'd love you to come to church. Man, I'd love to come to church. He has since accepted Christ as his Savior, and he goes to church, drives all the way from Port Dover to Mississauga because he has a fiancé there. But I said, man, we'd love to have you come sometime. And so cultivate those relationships when you get an opportunity. And, and you never know what God will do with them. God has put people in your life like Esther for such a time as this. There's a purpose behind it. Listen to this. Peter saw 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. But do you know who told Peter about Jesus? His brother Andrew. Seemingly insignificant. He went and told one people person about the Lord and 3,000 more got saved as a result. This is kind of like our video tonight. One man told another and we see 10 get saved. Friends, just steward those relationships and tell those that are closest to you. So pray, always be prepared, but be careful to maintain your testimony. Here's the thing. The people that are closest to you see you for who you really are. They, they know you for who you really are. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 
We have a testimony to keep. Think about this thought. A Christian may have a chance encounter to share the gospel with your friends, but you have the chance to live the gospel before them. Let's not wait for the chance encounter. Let's live before them a Christ-like life. Letter D, obey every prompting of the Spirit. Obey every prompting of the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to turn there tonight, but the Scripture is Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 35. And this is Philip ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, the Holy Spirit may prick your heart and prompt you at times where it's not convenient, but we are to obey him. And here's what I've learned about the Holy Spirit. The more we shun him and not listen and disobey him, the easier it is to tune him out. It's unfortunate today that we have tuned out the Holy Spirit in such a way that if we had a supernatural moving of the Spirit, a lot of Christians wouldn't even notice it. Because we have shut our eyes and our hearts and our minds to his pleadings. But if we are going to be consistent and faithful soul winners, we have to obey every prompting of the Spirit. It may not be convenient. It may even seem awkward. But the Bible says we are to be filled with the Spirit and obedient to his leading. Roman number three. Staying motivated. Staying motivated. I'm trying to think of the missionary, I believe it was Hudson Taylor, that went overseas and preached for years before he saw his first convert. Told thousands about Christ and nobody was saved. Until finally that first one accepted Jesus. That can be discouraging. They go, what am I doing? Am I not praying enough? Am I not trusting the Lord enough? Am I not filled with the Spirit enough? And and so we need to learn how to stay motivated. It is not a short-term mission, but it is the great commission that was given to us for life. So how do we stay motivated? Letter A, the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Every time we share the gospel, we are expressing God's love for others. But, all, but we are also reminding ourselves that that love was for us. Think about that. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, You are rehearsing what Jesus Christ did for you. You are praising him by telling others about him. There's a wonderful story in the Song of Solomon. Now, I I know, actually, because I've heard, that there are a lot of people that will read, especially men, will read the Bible through, but they'll skip the Song of Solomon because it's all about romance. But friends, let me tell you, it's about Christ's love for the church. And there's a part in that, in, that, in that story or that narrative that talks about the beloved. Do you know who the beloved is? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter, Galatians chapter 1, we are accepted in the beloved. The Bible says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The word beloved is only used in two different ways in the entire canon of Scripture. It is used either about Jesus Christ, and very rarely it is used about his church, the beloved. And the Song of Solomon talks about this beloved and his love, and she has gone to bed for the night, and she has put off her shoes, and she's climbed into bed, and her beloved comes to the door, and he knocks on the door. And he calls to her, and she says, no, I've... 
put on my bedclothes and I'm in my bedchamber and I've put myself out for the night. And he takes his hand and he puts it over the keyhole. And the smell of myrrh trickles through that keyhole until it reaches her. And her heart changes instantly and she jumps out of bed and by the time she gets to the door, her beloved is gone. She quickly dresses herself and she runs out into the streets and she begins to call for her beloved, but she cannot find him. And you understand the picture here is the, the church looking for Jesus Christ. The beloved is gone, and so she begins to talk to others in the streets. Have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? Do you know where he has gone? And the Bible says they begin to abuse her. So finally, she finds some people, and she says, Have you seen my beloved? For he is sweet. And she begins to talk about her beloved in terms that endeared him. And the Bible says immediately the beloved came back to her and drew nigh to her and took care of her. Do you understand the illustration that the scripture gives us tonight? Every time we begin to speak sweetly of Jesus Christ, he draws nigh to us. And he becomes more powerful in our lives and he becomes more intimate in our relationship, but we must be telling others how wonderful Jesus is. If your motivation begins to wane, meditate on Christ's love for you. Go and read again the gospel accounts of the crucifixion. Read Matthew 27 and Mark 15 and Luke 23 and John 19 and read again what Jesus did for you. Secondly, let her be the reality of eternity. We won't read the passage tonight, but Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 25, speak of the rich man of Lazarus. And the Bible says the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And he was tormented in that flame. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and they are real and they are biblical. And the Bible says that hell is a place of torment and eternal separation. And if that doesn't motivate us to tell people about Jesus, I don't know what will. Let her see the compassion for the lost. We need to have a biblical compassion, and how do we stir that compassion? We need to love people like Jesus loved people. Listen, friends, let me tell you this. I'll just use this as an illustration. It has been my experience in 22 years of ministry, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't know people's hearts. I can't see inside the heart like God can. But normally... The people that I see come to an altar are the people I think don't need to be there. Isn't that true? I think, what, what is he doing down there? That's the godliest guy I know. Well, what is she doing over here? I mean, the thing I preached on tonight, that, that's not an issue in her life. I mean, she's just right on fire for God. Here's the truth. The closer you are to the Lord, the more sensitive you are to the things of God. But when we become hardened and calloused in our relationship with God, we're not going to have a compassion for souls. Listen, I can stand up here all night and I can say to you, listen, you need to have compassion for souls. It's not going to work. But when you draw an eye to Christ, your heart of compassion will begin to be cultivated. It'll begin to grow and you'll start to love the lost. 
And you'll start to want to reach out to them. And you'll see them as souls and have compassion upon them. There's at least four passages of Scripture that speak about Christ's compassion for the lost. We already mentioned Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, where when he looked upon them, he had compassion upon them, for they were sheep scattered as having no shepherd. We need to have that same kind of compassion, but it only comes through a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Letter D, the judgment seat of Christ. We're talking about what motivates us to tell others. The judgment seat of Christ. Man, I tell you, don't you want to stand before God with something to offer? A soul winner's crown. Do you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Then God expects something of us. And it's obedience that he expects. Saul went on a mighty conquest and he destroyed most of the Amalekites. But he saved her king alive. And he brought back the animals for sacrifice. And the prophet said, what is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? Saul explained himself. We brought these back to offer to the Lord. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And all God is asking is that we just simply obey him. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, with the, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. This judgment seat is not the accounting of our sins. That was settled at Calvary. This judgment seat is the settlement of our works and being rewarded for what we have done for Christ. Revelation chapter 4 verse 10 says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Hey, I want to be part of that crowd. I don't want to be standing back at the back and saying I don't have a crown to offer. I want something. Paul said, what is my crown and my dearly beloved? It was the souls that he'd won to the Lord. That was his crown. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Philippians 4, therefore my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Those souls that Paul had cultivated and led to Jesus Christ, those were his crowns. Those were what he would bring to Jesus at the judgment seat. Boy, it will be a great joy to stand before Christ if we have faithfully taken part in this harvest. But we need to stay motivated in telling others about Jesus Christ. We have to work now for life is short. Don't let let pride get in your way. Well, they, they laughed at me. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Let me tell you this. When you turn away from the obedience to God... It's Satan that's laughing at you. Boy, he must get tickled when we just close our mouths and not share the gospel with others. John chapter 9 and verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This life is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And only the things we have done for Christ will last. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity and privilege we have as children of God to go and tell others about Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful. Spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to draw an eye to you 
Lord, that we would have that burden for the lost, that we would have the vision of Jesus Christ, that we would understand that you are not willing that any should perish. Father Lazarus lifted up his eyes in hell and begged, and or the rich man lifted up his eyes and begged that Lazarus be sent back to tell his brothers. Father, we only have an opportunity on this side of the grave. So Lord, help us to be faithful with the time that you have given us. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Somebody said this. It's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. I'm going to be honest. I, I, if somebody gets saved, I'm going to tell you they got saved. But I, I don't like getting up and saying, well, I led so in I led this person, I led this person. That's, I have nothing to do with it. I'm not going to get up and tell Paul led this person, Lord, or somebody else led this. It's not about us, friends. He that planteth it and watereth are nothing. It's God that gives the increase. And maybe we ought to just lay aside any personal agendas and start doing what Christ wants us to do. And just faithfully sowing the seed, watering the seed, encouraging people. Uh, let, me, let me just put it this way. How many irons in the fire do you have right now? If you were to start a prospect list tonight, how many people's names could you put on that say, listen, I, uh, you know, I'm actively praying for these people and I'm trying to build a relationship with these people and I'm hoping to share the gospel with these people. Do you have a, even just a mental list tonight that you have a few names on there? Well, we ought to be always cultivating somebody. Ever since that funeral... I've been also talking to, trying to talk to Mike Waldick, Rob Cookson and I. Uh, Rob is from, you know, the dumpsters, the red dumpsters you see. Rob's a Christian as well. And Mike is another childhood friend. And we've been, uh, Rob, Rob said, hey, Mike's been trying to get a hold of you. And I've been trying to get back. He's not answering or whatever. I don't know. But we're praying for that guy together. And we're working on him and trying to see him saved. But you just have to be faithfully cultivating and working and it may take years. My wife prayed for her dad for 25 years before he got saved. It's about faithfulness. I'm going to Brother Baker just sing one verse of this song. If nobody comes, we'll close. But if God has spoke to your heart and you want to commit something to the Lord tonight, would you do it? We've had four lessons about soul winning and sharing the gospel. Let's do business with God and let's see God do a great work by using us.